Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, infectious disease specialist, Dr. Michael Sack. Also, the V-Team takes a look at the runoff between Sessions and Tuberville. And who's leading? That's kind of what I was afraid of. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by investigative reporter at APR and columnist Josh Moon and Susan Britt, research guru extraordinary, my constant companion. How are y'all today? Good. How are you guys? Good. How's it going over there, guys? Going pretty good, pretty good. Uh, the garden is growing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Not well all that work you're putting in out there, it ought to be growing. <laughs> yeah, it's $150 tomatoes. Yeah, really? Uh, <laughs> you know, it is just a crazy time, and we say that week after week after week. <laughs> but earlier this week, we talked extensively about the fact that we are in the middle of a worldwide pandemic here in Alabama. Cases are rising. People are dying. More infected. We've seen a collapse in the job market. And we have black citizens crying out for the social justice that they deserve. What we don't have is leadership. With the Republican supermajority, we have heard virtually nothing constructive coming out of our state leaders. I mean, Josh, in a time of crisis, leaders usually step forward. To me, it looks like everybody's stepped back. Yeah, you know, and I got to say, it's kind of really not that surprising. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I take that back. On a couple of individual levels there, it's, it's surprising for a couple of people uh, that I expected a little more out of. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily expected much more out of the Republican Party and their leadership because I knew the people who were elected uh, here. And, and, you know, when we were going through the elections in 2018, uh, I took some t- effort and time to go through everybody's websites and, uh, you know, their talking points and look at things and break down uh, their viewpoints on the issues that we faced at that point, public education, it was jobs, whatever it was. Uh, and, and there was a complete lack of information uh, and, and effort put into those things by the Republicans who were elected, and they were relying solely on the little R beside their name. Uh, and when you elect people lazily, you get lazy people. And that's what's happened here is you've got people who don't know how to lead. And, and Susan, I, I, there's, 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 there's fact and truth in what Josh says, but we know a lot of these elected Republicans and some of them are, I would consider friends. And yet the ones who know better, the ones who do not believe that a hundred thousand dead is a hoax, the ones who do not believe that police brutality is being 
you know, fueled by thugs and Antifa and and what we anarchists, mm-hmm. but they're silent as well. They're silent as well, and I think that's because they're terrified of the Trump voters. They're terrified that if they say anything about wear a mask, if they say anything about a monument should come down or whatever, that the the their base, which are the, some of the Trump voters, are going to turn against them. And I think they're just terrified. Well, well I got to tell you, I, I am I am really sick of that. I, I mean, I, I listen. If you know it, I say it's right. If you don't, just get out of the way. Then you know, right. if you're not if you're not man enough to who is right or woman enough to say what you know is right, get the hell out of there. Let somebody else have the job, all right? Well, I mean, this has gone on long enough. You know, the only people I truly see leading are the five big city mayors mm-hmm. with the possible exception of Tommy Battle yeah. because of the riot uh, well, that, he that the police call. Tear gas is on citizens yeah. with no, with no uh, aggravation there. Right. Right. Mostly peaceful protesters get tear gas. I mean, one Huntsville is one out of 98 cities in the United States to have used tear gas on its own citizens. But let's let's do a rundown. Uh, I I would say that Mayor Woodfin, Mm -hmm. Randall Woodfin in Birmingham has done a stellar job. I mean, there was serious unrest. They had a serious uh, incidence of COVID-19, but Josh, he is leading and he is leading one of the most uh, historically troubled cities in in the South. Uh, And he is doing a great job. Yeah. You know, it's uh, Mayor Woodfin has done a, done a great job there Um, in in both crises, uh, you know, in, in, in reducing the number of COVID-19 cases there. And you saw the overrun that was, that was about to take place at UAB uh, and they put in some uh, some hardline measures and really got that down. Uh, you know, I, I know some people disagree with the way that he has handled the protests and things that were going on in Birmingham. But, I, you know, I don't know that anybody could have stymied what happened those first couple of days. The anger and That's right. that was running through people there was, was so high. I think that he did a, a pretty good job of, of getting people out of harm's way and, and letting it run its course for the first few days and then taking the monument down to kind of quell the anger. Uh, you know, I think Stephen Reed in Montgomery has done a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Sandy Stimson down in Mobile jerked that out of there, man, and did it in the dark of night and got it and just squashed that whole thing. And then well, you've got, you know, Walt Maddox has also done a, a, a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah. And that's what we were saying. We were talking about the fact that Stephen Reed, while new on the job, has handled this like a solid political professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went out and spoke to protesters. He, the, the city council didn't want to have a mask ordinance, and we know that masks save lives. He stepped up and said, we're going to have masks. Mm-hmm. He has really shown true leadership. Uh, so is Walt Maddox, the three Democrats. Uh, Sandy Stimson, as you said, he really stepped up and got ahead of what could have been a nasty situation down there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, too, with Stephen Reed's situation in Montgomery, you know, it kind of paralleled what was happening in Huntsville. You know, they had a lot of the same rumors of, you know, anarchists and all these people in white vans coming down to, you know, cause problems and, and you know, destroy neighborhoods and what have you. Uh, but he and his police chief, Ernest Finley, there, they got together and talked and they came up with a plan to go out and engage protesters and talk to them. And, yeah. you know, there was a line of people and, and, and he forbade them from, from putting on the military gear. You know, they, they yeah. went out and, and basically in street clothes in a lot of 
there and talked to people and got out among them. And it was a vast, you saw the difference between what happened in Montgomery yeah. and what happened in Huntsville. Yeah. And, and, and Tommy Battle is, has done a tremendous job as mayor of Huntsville. Uh, and, and they're right now facing a very serious situation with COVID-19. And I expect that he'll step up and lead. But in this case, Susan, we've got about 10 seconds. The, the mayors are leading. Everybody else seems to be ducking right now. They do. That's absolutely what's happening. And it's this, we've been seeing this coming for a while. Okay. We're going to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with Dr. Michael Sag. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for waking up early and staying up late. Thanks for putting food on the table and teaching us the importance of hard work. Thanks for playing and laughing and chasing and splashing. Thanks for the games of catch and the piggyback rides. Thanks for helping us with our homework and encouraging us and cheering us on. Thanks for showing us when to take risks and how to be brave. Thanks for just being there. Thanks for showing us how to pray give and grow in God. Thanks for teaching us how to be parents ourselves. It's not an easy job being a dad. Thanks for doing it. Happy Father's Day. guys do a little fishing. Of course, none of us be wearing our seatbelts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Dr. Michael Sag, professor of medicine and infectious disease at UAB. Dr. Sag, welcome. Well, thanks for having me on. You are world renowned for your work in infectious diseases, especially in AIDS and HIV. Uh, years ago, we saw that disease politicized. We saw lots of erroneous messaging around it. We have grown concerned that there are conflicting messages coming from our public health experts, our scientists, and politicians. 
Do you feel, in your expert opinion, that the messaging, the conflicts in these messages is causing more cases, more infections, and unfortunately more hospitalizations and deaths? That is, to me, one of the key questions because we are seeing dramatic rises in cases throughout the country. And from my perspective, politics and public health do not mix. That's uh, like pouring gas on a fire. The, the only thing that's really winning from that conflict is the virus. So what I think we need to do is come together as a community of the state and our local communities to get the messaging straight, to understand the basics of this virus and what we can do to mitigate its spread among our citizens. One of the things that's happened is we said originally that we would open up the economy based on science and data and not date certain. However, many states, including Alabama, have opened back up and people have taken that to mean that everything is safe. I mean, a majority, I think, of people have said, well, okay, we're safer now. And so I can go about my, my, my daily life somewhat like I did before. But that's sort of a misconception, isn't it? Well, I think that's right. And I, you know, I, like everybody else, wanted to get back to life as it used to be. And we still do. Despite the fact that the numbers are rising dramatically in our state and several others, doesn't mean that we have to go back to full stay at home. Where I think we got a little off track is when we released the restrictions, it just said, try to be safe, but there weren't specific instructions. So let me take a moment and say what those instructions should be from this time forward. Number one, number one, stay at home when you can. Number two, when you go out, have a mask with you. Make sure that you're wearing a mask. Why? Because we know this virus has spread 90 plus percent through the respiratory route. If we're infected and we don't know it, we're spreading the virus every time we breathe, more so when we talk, more so when we talk loudly, more so when we sing or yell. And that can go out as far as 10 feet from where we are. Wearing a mask keeps that self-contained. Will a mask help us from becoming infected from someone else? Maybe a little bit, but that's not enough to protect us. What we need is to protect our, our fellow citizens from this infection by wearing a mask. And then social distancing, physical distancing, trying to avoid large groups, don't, not getting too close. That's the messaging that I would have liked to have heard as we relax. Okay, that's all water under the bridge. Let's start right now, working together between our politicians and our public health officials to get these messages out to folks. So what you're saying, and I want to reemphasize this, it is as simple as wearing a mask, physical distancing, and just being a good citizen that cares about the health and well-being of your neighbor. I mean, that's really what we need to do. That's It's really as simple as that, but it's hard. People don't want to do it. They say the mask makes it harder to breathe. Well, say that to somebody who's in an intensive care unit trying to breathe through an endotracheal tube. That's a whole lot harder. And the other thing I think we need to critically remember is that the peak time of transmissibility of this virus from one person to another is in the 24-hour period prior 
to when somebody gets sick. So you and I could have this. You or I could have this. And we feel great. And maybe we're out at a restaurant or we're at the beach or we're at a pool or we're at somebody's home. We might get sick the next day. And that day that we're feeling great, we're a super spreader, as they call it. We're spreading the virus to many, many people. That's why wearing a mask is so critically important. So, Susan, were you going to ask a question? I was. Uh, I, I, I'd like to make a statement and see how it reacts. I believe you were, you have survived COVID yourself. Can you explain to people who think it's just like the flu or, you know, what, what, what was your experience with that? In a word, it was, it was horrible. Uh, the worst part of it was not knowing what was going to happen next. The, I never had to go to the hospital. But my experience was I felt fine in the morning. And by late afternoon, I started not feeling well. By the evening into the night, I was having chills and fever and my breathing got a little short, cough got a lot worse. In essence, I was having what we call a cytokine storm, which means the immune system raging, right? And then by the next morning, it would be gone. And I think, okay, I've got this cleared. And then the next night, the same thing, just like Groundhog Day. And the worst moments were really those moments in the night when I wasn't sure if I was going to deteriorate quickly and end up in a hospital in the next 30 minutes. And that fear of the unknown and the knowledge we don't have a treatment was horrific. So don't get this virus if you can help it. Protect our neighbors. We've got about a minute left, and you are at UAB, which is our, our, our great research center, great hospital, great things come out of there. Do you see an end to this pandemic? Is it is there an end in sight? Um, I'll give you three quick scenarios. Uh, if we get a vaccine, uh, I could see maybe by this time next year, we start to see improvement. That's the best case. The second is that we get a treatment. The vaccine doesn't come along. But if we can get something equivalent to Tamiflu like we have for influenza, then maybe we could stop people from getting so deathly ill. And there is a rev up in this infection, unlike flu, that hits you all at once. But if neither of those materialize, this thing's going to be with us not for months, but years, years to come. So it's time to start now in protecting ourselves. We've never dealt with anything like this before. This is new. And so we've just got to pull together instead of pulling apart. And to come back to your original thesis, yes, politics are hurting us badly. We're at the point where wearing a mask is a political statement one way or the other, wearing it or not wearing it. Let's get rid of that, for goodness sakes. This is a global health threat, a community threat. We need to be in this together, not pulling apart because of politics. Dr. Sag, we take your message to heart, and I'm certain that many of our viewers will. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you for coming on. My, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Our special guest has been Dr. Michael Sag of UAB. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. 
activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at asdd.com. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a half on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, our COVID-19 numbers are still going in the wrong direction. People are out acting like fools. Mm -hmm. They pretend this virus does not exist while more people are being infected or being hospitalized and, and are dying. And for the first time, Dr. Don Williamson, the head of the hospital association said he was concerned that our hospitals might be overwhelmed. What do we see? Right now we're seeing this week, uh, our case numbers are about at 27,796 positives. Uh, you can say maybe that that's because we're testing more and, and that's fine. However, when you look at the hospitalization numbers, we had 2,373 people hospitalized since March 13. What's happening is Montgomery and Tuscaloosa are basically at their limits. And the, uh, the health officials say, well, you know, the hospitals just really can't handle that much more. Uh, over the past two weeks, more than 9,000 cases were confirmed, which is roughly a third of the state's total case count in two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, 67 counties said Thursday had high rates of COVID per one. I'm sorry. Uh, let me skip that. Finally. <clears throat> Uh, the thing is that right now during the summer, we thought we'd be at a lull. We thought we'd be able to prepare, get more tests in, get more PPEs prepared, get the, you know, ventilators or whatever. But we're, it's, the numbers are not going down. They're going up, which means that by the time we get to flu season, if this first wave hasn't found a plateau, we're going to be in real trouble. And the thing is, is it's not more testing. I, our health professionals, including Dr. Harris, public health officer for Alabama has said, Josh, it's not more testing. It's more people getting sick because they're not following the rules. Yeah. I mean, have we tried putting the light inside the body? Uh, I don't know. If, uh, uh, but, you know, in all seriousness, there are um, people drinking Clorox though. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you gotta get it right inside yeah. there. I don't, I think there. This is indicative of what happens when you tell people, "All right, we're reopening because you've done a good job." Okay, 
instead of telling people we're going to have to reopen because our businesses are crumbling and our uh, and our economic infrastructure is faltering here. So we're going to have to reopen some of these businesses, but we want you to understand that we're doing so in a manner that uh, that you need to be very cautious with, and we're going to implement uh, uh, mandatory masks, and we're going to uh, put in a whole bunch of other things. We didn't do that. And this is the consequences of not having a plan, a strategic plan for a reopening, despite the fact that this virus was still so prevalent here. It's now spreading worse than it ever was. At no point when we were shut down were things this bad. Right. right. Well, as my daddy used to say, with some of these people, it doesn't matter what you tell them because in one ear it comes out the other. They just hear we're open and they think everything's back to normal without actually looking at the facts. Right. right. And and we've, we've seen it. We've seen people... Gathering, we've seen people in restaurants without masks. We've seen people acting as this, as if this doesn't exist. And I suppose some of that's human nature to ignore something deadly and just keep doing what they're doing. Uh, but the problem that I see, and I think Dr. Sag spoke to this too, is we can do simple things to keep ourselves safe, but people are not. Everybody has to do it. Yeah, everybody has to do it. I want to get to uh, the Republican primaries less than a month away, uh, the runoff primary, in which Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville will face off with uh, President Trump's former U.S. attorney, Jeff Sessions. And, <coughs> excuse me, Josh, uh, the polling shows that Tuberville is clearly in the lead, but President Trump is coming to Mobile to basically stick his finger once again in Jeff Sessions' eye. I mean... And one of the hotbeds of the COVID. Well, yeah, it's a hotbed, but it won't matter to Trump supporters. I mean, I just think it's... it. it, it well, and, and hey, I'm happy for him. Uh, the thing is, is I, I don't see how Tuberville doesn't blow, blow, blow Sessions away. I really don't. Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more... Obvious that that's that's probably going to take uh, take place uh, just because for whatever reason Trump is still very popular here uh, among that voting set. Uh, and and you know I, on the one hand, <laughs> you know it's disgusting and it's despicable and to do the whole thing, you know I, I get you know angry. On the other hand, it's happening to Jeff Sessions, so I can't be all that. Angry. So it's it's really hard for me to to be all. And listen, I. I, I know this incarnation of Tommy Tuberville is is crazy, and I, I don't know what he's doing with some of the racist comments that he makes there. And I think he's really upset a lot of his former players. Uh, but I also covered uh, Tommy while he was at Auburn uh, for a little while, and and I, you know I, I liked the guy while he was there. He was a very personable guy. I can understand why people gravitate towards him when you meet him. You know, he is a personable guy. He doesn't know anything about politics or anything about governance, but, you know, I guess that hell what does matter. that stop anybody before? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we don't we don't elect people because they know what they're doing. We elect them because we like them. I mean, right. that's and, the way and, most and you see the are. results of that currently, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, you know I, I, to paraphrase uh, one of the great American writers, I say, you know, a trip to the local Walmart should convince you that probably Voters electing politicians is not the best idea. <laughs> well, uh, but anyway, bless his heart. That's what we got. I, I guess at, at times I feel like an elitist, uh, but it's only because we see these people up close and personal. I mean, the only reason Jeff Sessions is running is because he wants to reclaim his legacy. 
Well, I hate to let Justice know. It's not because he, he said it to people when he decided to run. He wanted to protect his legacy. We don't care about your legacy, Jeff. Nobody cares about your legacy except you. Not no, one no. of these people is running on an idea of something they can do for Alabama. Uh, not one. No, no, no well, of course not. there is one. There's the guy currently holding the office. Well, well yeah. There you go. There you well, go. There and you go. he is getting some work done. And he's actually Been leading. leading. Uh, which is... You know, in a state that that seems to be uh, not even even evenly split over Democrats and Republicans, uh, there are three mayors that are Democrats, and our one senator that's a, a Democrat's leading. And Richard Shelby, as always, is making sure Alabama gets its share of money. And I am thrilled because <laughs> Richard Shelby works quietly in the background and makes sure that all, all Alabamians get some. Taste of what's coming out of the federal government. Sweet, Ooh. sweet federal dollars. Yeah. We, we love them down here. We're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. <laughs> <laughs>